welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is a very special episode as we look at Totes 10 to Follow, the original fantasy racing game for the 2021-2022 jumps season. On this show, you will hear new game features and strategies that you need to adopt to give yourself the best chance of winning the tote tend to follow you need to try and find a couple of difference makers that not everyone else necessarily has which horse is the most salah must have fancy football equivalent he just looks so reliable and he's not gonna have he's not gonna have the opposition why gold cup winner manella indo is an unlikely dark horse in the tend to follow yeah, good to see him back in. Good Nick without winning, but I definitely wouldn't lead him out of the list. Which Cheltenham Festival winners could be a trap and need to be avoided? Certainly avoid maybe some of the higher profile horses that, that might not uh, score the points that, that everyone else thinks they will. He no longer looks in a class of his own when you see him walking around the paddock. And finally, the teams as selected by our three expert guests. And first up, returning to the lineup, the jump season is back. It is Andrew Thornton. Andrew, great to have you back with us. Uh, delighted to be able to welcome somebody who knows a thing or two about riding a horse rather than just uh, watching them go uh, to, to, to the podcast. Uh, how are you getting on? Yeah, looking forward to the jumping horses coming out. It's, you know, very dry conditions at the moment. So there's plenty more horses to come out. A lot of trainers just need to get them out. It's it, There doesn't look that too much rain on the horizon either. So... You know, regarding the big races coming up soon, we could do with a fair bit of rain. But um, yeah, it's, everything's bubbling under now. Yeah, it is exciting time. And mainstay of the Odds Checker betting show, Rory Delaghi joins us as well. Rory, tote tend to follow you. How, how's your success been in the past with this? Are you somebody who's, uh, who's dropped it off in the past playing this game? Uh, sadly not. Um, but then again, <laughs> it is, it's a... It's a essentially a winner takes all um type of fair despite the fact there's there's a bit of prize money down to um down to the lower placings but the real the real appeal of uh, the tender follow is is that uh, big pot if you win the uh, the overall competition so um i've been doing it for a for a long time i remember um when um pacemaker magazine used to do a, a tender follow and that was essentially the uh, um the father of this um which is uh, which has grown to some degree uh, it's always a really good competition to play, and I've been racking my brains, and will do even after I've done this. Even after I've decided my my ten to follow, you know, perfectly well the next four days I'm going to be going through them <laughs> with a fine tooth comb and and uh, asking myself questions. You're in a novel position here, Rory. You can tell everyone your team, put everyone away, and then release your real team in in four days' time. But we'll see. I'm, I'm sure you would never do that. Certainly not. <laughs> our third guest is the totes very own jamie benson who's going to be providing us with an extra layer of insight into the 10 to follow game and you know we i mean i'm very excited about this i've been playing it with friends uh, for a long time and in the odds checker offices certainly jamie it's been um a source of a lot of debate over the years i imagine it's the same uh, over at the tote offices as well yeah very much so yeah when we when we sort of took over the running of the new tote a couple of years ago it was very much priority number one get the tent to follow up and firing because it's just great crack you know for a fiver you get the, the whole season's long entertainment well i mean in theory a whole season normally mine my, my list is sort of dead in the water by january february but uh, the good news is you then get the, the subs window in march to to try and get yourself back in the game for cheltenham but uh, yeah no i absolutely love it and um i'm excited to hear what rory and andrew have got to got to say very diplomatic start there and Jamie a few people who'll be listening to this or watching this uh, won't know much about the, the tote 10 to follow there will be those out there who haven't played it before so for those people and apologies to those um, stalwarts like Rory uh, can you explain a little bit about the game uh, what what it is uh, how people can enter and, and all that like sure so yeah basically the the uh, the concept is quite simple in that you pick 10 horses to follow throughout the throughout the season and they score points according to how well they run so they, they, win, they win points according to the grade of race that they win. 25 points for, for a grade one all the way down to 10 for just a, a, normal, a normal race. And uh, on top of that, they score points according to uh, the odds that they return on the tote, uh, the tote guaranteed price, so either the SP or the tote price, whichever is bigger. Um, so again, if you pick out a big price winner of a race, you get rewarded for that. But in short, the main premise is you want to be targeting what are known as the bonus races. So for those ones, they tend to be all the great ones you know throughout the season, and you get an extra 25 points if you pick the winner of them. So as a result, it means that the best lists tend to be weighted towards the, the grade one horses that, that we all know. Um, 
you need to try and find a couple of difference makers that not everyone else necessarily has and certainly avoid maybe some of the higher profile horses that that might not uh, score the points that, that everyone else thinks they will but realistically it can you look back at the the winning competition the winning lists from previous years and, and they're very very pickable in hindsight um, so yeah it's, it, keep, it keeps you keeps you going in that regard I mean, it does. It is a game where strategy is rewarded. It's not as easy as just sticking in the the festival winners from from last March, for example. In your experience, what is the way to play this? Is it a case of finding a couple of kind of hot pots to take on and to leave out? Is it a case more of finding that big price winner of a you know of a of a big race? How do you think the best way about going about trying to select your team? Uh, yes. How would you go about it? So I'd say the best way is to target the, the main three-mile staying chasers. Um, the majority of the bonus points are weighted towards that, that division. Um, if you look at in Ireland, you have things like the Savills Chase and the Irish Gold Cup, and then in England, the Betfair, the King George, um, and then culminating the Gold Cup at Cheltenham. And ultimately, if you pick out, you can have quite a few, three, maybe four from that, category, from that division. Um, and and you tend to be in good stead because they only really need to win one, and they can still and they score fifty odd points, and that puts you puts you in a very good position. So I'd say primarily that would be the main focus. And uh, also, if you're not sure about things like this, we we've taken into account all previous winners and what their list structure was, and basically made an algorithm on site for the smart pick. Um, so if you're not sure, you can go on, you can pick a few horses that you like. And then if you click the smart pick button, it will autofill the rest of your the rest of your stable according to what's been historically the most optimal strategy. So it's targeting those bonus races, it's making sure you've got a reasonably even selection of horses. So rather than picking three two mile hurdlers, you might just have one, basically honeysuckle. Um, but ultimately, it's about spreading your horses across those bonus races because ten horses doesn't actually go very far when you when you add them all up. So you know, I'm sure Rory will come on to, to how he plans to maybe perm up a few stables and have a few different options. But yeah, that's the main strategy. And before we get into your guys' selections, um, are there any new features we should know about heading into the 2021-2022 game? So I, I mentioned the uh, the smart pick that, that I've explained that and hopefully it's on site to help people when they're not quite sure, uh, have a go. I mean, it's also just quite interesting to see what it throws out, even if you do have your own ideas. Uh, but then also importantly, there's uh, new information around how popular each horse is. So if you played the fantasy football, you will always you'll see how many teams have selected each each horse. Uh, sorry, each player, and it's very much the same case here. So it helps you see who the most popular ones are and try and basically work out if you're with or against them. Um, and ultimately, that is the secret to it. It's it's finding that balance between picking the the most popular ones that are going to do well and leaving out a couple of the popular ones that you think might not score as highly as everyone else does. Interesting stuff. Well, let's get into the horses now. And the way we're going to break this up is into three sections. We'll talk through the essential picks. You know, Jamie just spoke there about how uh, you can see now the ownership percentage. And these are the horses that are over 30% owned at the moment. We're then going to move into the traps, those between 30% and 10% owned. So the middle ground there, uh, those who maybe uh, might be a bit oversubscribed or maybe there'll be a couple of sleepers in there. And then finally, the differential picks. So all the other horses there under 10% owned and throughout we'll be speaking to the guys about who they'll be picking and who they'll be swerving in their selections. So into the essential picks now, these are the horses that are 30% owned or over. And I'm going to run through them quickly now because there aren't very many. You'd have heard of, of all of them, I'd have thought, if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Shishkin, Honeysuckle, Appreciate It, Bob Ollinger, Aplutard, Anugamine, Alaho, and Time Hill are those. And we're going to start with the horse that won the opening race of the Cheltenham Festival in March with Appreciate It, and Lumpin Appreciate It with Bob Ollinger as well. Um, currently favourites for the Arkle and the Marsh, of course, those two. And both Andrew and Rory want in both of them in their side so Rory coming to you first here with Bob Ollinger and appreciate it two horses that you want to keep on side at this early stage of the of the campaign yeah it's worth um I was just going through um previous results of this and I, I spoke to Jamie a little while ago and I said I'm inclined not to have many novices on my list um because none of only a, a handful of the bonus races are for novices 
um, those being the um, the Arkle and the um, what was the RSA at Cheltenham. We'll get we'll get used to the uh, to the new names, the Brown Advisory now. Um, mm-hmm. So th- those are races for novices, um, which have bonus points. There are no um, no real novice races over hurdles, um, which are bonus races. The Betfair hurdle tends to go to a novice, um, but I'll get on to that later. I think it's a I think it's a pointless race trying to find the winner off at this stage, um, personally. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll no doubt get onto that. Um, so if I'm going to have novices in my in my list, I'm more inclined to have um, a couple of top class novice chasers, and both uh, Appreciate and Bob Bollinger were were enormously impressive uh, in winning their. Um, their novice hurdles at the Cheltenham Festival last year. So they are the obvious two to go forward with in terms of, of novice chasers. Worth pointing out, they're liable to go for, uh, at this stage, um, the Arkle and the um, the Marsh. And the Marsh. Uh, the Marsh itself is not a bonus race. But with novices, essentially, you're getting your points by the fact that you're you're picking outstanding performers who will rack up points in you know grade one grade two grade three novices through the season uh wherever they run they'll be good points so there are lots of, of grade one novices over hurdles and over fences in ireland and uh, that are there for the taking before cheltenham there are less grade one races in the uk um before the cheltenham festival because that's where the concentration is so the irish horses have got more chance of picking up points um in various races so i've gone for a couple of top class irish novices um and thrown them in the list because it's Unless they have setbacks, it's hard to see appreciate and Bob Ollinger not doing really well, um, given um, the class they showed against very good horses at Cheltenham last year. So they they kind of pick themselves there. Appreciate it. It's currently three to one best price uh, to win the Arkle and Bob Ollinger, the same price, three to one best price to win the Marsh. Uh, just quickly, Rory, I mean, it's my, I've got the unenviable job here of playing devil's advocate. Is there any danger that yeah, there was talk before the festival last year or this year, earlier this year, that appreciate it might be you know, the, the two miles might be a, a little bit sharp. That wasn't the case at the festival. Is there any concern for you that if that does prove to be the case over the bigger obstacles, they could be, yeah, like, be running over two and a half? Listen, you, you never know. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not particularly trying to get the, the Arkle points here. I'm just okay. looking to rack up rack up points. Um, he's an obvious one given the price that he is. Listen, any any horse that's going over fences for the first time is never um, a safe bet to, um, to make the transition. Um, so there's always the possibility that it doesn't work out. Um, although Willie Mullins is one of those trainers, you know, he's, he's stated it with a couple of his high-class novices um, that if he doesn't think they're taking defences as well as he hoped, he will drop them back to hurdles. Um, and that, you know, that gives them the option of picking up plenty of plenty of points over hurdles as well. Um, the other thing just to bear in mind with um, with a lot of your lists is, is you don't have punches time for the competition. And there will be quite a lot of Irish horses who will be, you know, they'll be geared up probably for Cheltenham, but also for Punchestown. And of course, those horses won't be scoring points for you at the, at the latter meeting. So it's worth bearing that in mind as well. Um, and that's why I'd just be, just be a little bit careful with, um, with horses below the top class in Ireland or horses you know, who, who you think should do well and who may end up picking up races at Ferry House and Punchestown in the spring, but won't actually be any good to you. Um, those horses that are mentioned there, appreciate and Bob Ollinger, will clearly be primed for Cheltenham and they've got some... Um, uh, grade one races at Leopardstown or indeed Limerick over Christmas and the Dublin Racing Festival. So you've always got to envisage where your horses are going to line up. Uh, and, you know, bear in mind if trainers are going to have one run and then go to Cheltenham, um, then you might want to leave those horses out until um, the, the chance of substituting them. But with those two, there should be easy points to be had. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned there the, the possible risks around Punchstown. And Jamie, I've noticed that you've written, you sent me an email with your picks, and, and you put your your negatives, the ones to avoid, uh, at the bottom of the list. And there, it says uh, you want to avoid the Irish novice chasers. Appreciate it, Bob Ollinger and Fernie Hollow in there as well. It, it, does that come into your thinking? What's the what's the strategy there? You're taking on Rory this, uh, yeah, just 15 minutes into the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, you'd have to be some some sort of fool to disagree with Rory at the best of times, but. <laughs> Especially when you're disagreeing on on two Cheltenham Festival winners going novice chasing, you've got to you've got to be even that more mental. But um, no, the the vague thinking there is basically that I think they they are there's a chance they end up going for similar races over two mile four. It, there are so many top quality novice chasers in Ireland this season that ultimately it's very it'll be very difficult to keep them all apart. And it, as much as Bob Ollinger and appreciate it are standout horses. 
if for whatever reason, I'd be particularly against Bob Ollinger. And again, this is not anything on him as a horse because I think he's a potential superstar. And I can't remember a horse winning the Ballymore like that that didn't go on to be a superstar. Hmm. But ultimately, he won't run in any bonus races this year. He he will probably go for a beginner's chase and then the Drinmore. Then he either goes, there's a, is it two miles or three miles? It's... Um, at the Dublin Racing Festival, but basically, and then he goes to the Marsh. Two miles five, sorry. Two miles five, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, then, and then he goes to the Marsh. And so even if he wins all three of those and begins chase, it's still ballpark 80, 85 points. And, it, you know, that that is your sort of ceiling for, for Bob Ollinger as a superstar, whereas you have the potential to pick up more points than that for for horses not necessarily even having a world win well win season so it's literally just for the pure mechanics of the game that I'm against them not because I'm against them as as horses fair enough I feel like having you know with that conversation we could probably do a whole podcast on the merits or whether or not to pick appreciate it or Bob Wallinger so I'm going to move on Andrew and I'm going to come to you, you know, we, we heard Jamie there at the beginning um, compare the ten to follow game with fantasy football and. Mo Salah seems to be the, the must-have player in fantasy football. If you don't have Salah, you're basically already, you're, you've already lost. And I'm trying to work out if Honeysuckle or Shishkin is the Mo Salah of the, of the 10 to follow game. Two horses that all three of you have got in, in your teams that you sent over to me. If I gun to your head, Andrew, who would you be picking if you had to have one of them and why? Um, I think i probably have Shishkin. But just purely and simply be a... The way he's gone through his races so far, um, possibly the weaker division, I would suggest. Um, he's bearing in mind he's not going to take he's not going to take on the Irish division before Cheltenham, mm. um, and I think that's purely and simply why I'd probably plump for him because it does look the the weaker option. Whereas Honeysuckle, you're always going to be you've got, you've got uh, bearing in mind how many winners there was in Ireland at the Cheltenham Festival last year. It slipped my memory. Uh, <laughs> it was definitely uh, it was definitely in the twenties anyway. So your competition over there for a start is a lot tougher. So if you want to have your Mo Salah, I think you what you might call your safe pair of hands going to turn up whenever he just looks so reliable and he's not going to have he's not he's not going to have the opposition for 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 a start. And whereas Honeysuckle, you're going to be probably dipping between. He could be dipping between two and two and a half miles, and there's always going to be young, fresh horses coming along. So, yeah, Shishkin's my my safe pair of hands. And where I don't know where I put him. Do I put him at uh, centre back or do I put him? At <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to make that decision. So it's just just get him in the team. Uh, Jamie, you raised your eyebrows when when Andrew said uh, Shishkin over Honeysuckle there. So I'm guessing Honeysuckle's you, the one you'd have in. Yeah, yeah, she is. But I mean, to, to your point, they're both absolute bankers. I mean, yeah. if. I'm trying to think what the fantasy football equivalent would be, but if one's if one's Salah, the others, I don't know, maybe Harry Kane in seasons gone by. But um, yeah, not this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> not this season. Uh, but yeah, no. Ultimately, they're, they're both they're both selected by 70% lists. I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being higher. Um, for me, Honeysuckle just she runs in bonus races. Um, the only thing is Shishkin. This week, I saw this week Ruby saying that Shaka Porswell might go over for. The Tingle Creek, which would be a small concern, um, but you can't you can't really predict where Willie's going to send anything. But the long story short, it's I think both of them are absolute naps. Jamie, can I just say that I suppose I suppose the ideal scenario is pick two lists and leave Honeysuckle and Shishkin out of one completely. Is is that the, is is that where the real the scholars of this game come to the fore? Uh. I, no. I think I think Rory would be the first one to tell you, <laughs> absolutely not. No, I, I think I think there is almost no world in which we look back at the winning list and it doesn't have both of them in, barring an injury. You know, uh, well, even, yeah, even, even if they end up not scoring as much as you expect, you still you would still think that um, uh, the majority of high scoring lists will have them, just because people will will be playing the percentages to uh, to get into not more football talk. Alan Hansen there play the percentages. <laughs> um, so yeah, they've um, you can be really clever and say, right, I'm not going to have any of these obvious horses in there, and and find ten dark ones, and you might find three that are brilliant that no one else has, but you'll find that you've got a massive gap in there as well with no points, um, which will drag you down. 
Andrew, that tattoo reminds me of the the clever place pot that you placed just before the, uh, the first race at Cheltenham with all the outsiders and it's in the bin after the first and you think, why did I do that? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Rory, you know, we mentioned there that maybe Jacques and Ponsoir will come over uh, for Sandown and I guess one way of looking at it is at least that'll, that'll boost the SP if you have got um, Shishkin in there. Um, but in your team, you've got both Shaq and Poswa and Shishkin selected with with Anergamine as a, a a possible one to bring in as well, dominating that champion chase division. Yeah, what I will probably do is is I'm not sure that that I can have both Anergamine and Shaq and Poswa in the same list. And what I will probably do is I've, I've got some I'll I'll arrange my list so that I have either or plus Shishkin. I mean, I think there are still plenty of points for them to to, to have in Ireland. Um, uh, and the pair of them, you know, Enrique Memo's outstanding novice last year. His win at Punchestown was was um, was tremendous, and plenty of people fancied him to to run Shishkin very close to Cheltenham. Um, where Shakin Persuade is the highest rated horse um, in the um, in the British Isles, according to both the mm. the uh, uh, the Irish and British handicappers and Time Form, um, and he's about, in about 30 percent of lists. So you'd look a bit it's a bit daft not to have the best horse. Um, around in your lists, but at the same time, I can you know having both in seems a little bit of a luxury. Um, one of them is liable to travel to Sandown. Uh, Willie Mullins has said I don't particularly like doing that, but given what he has this year, um, there's a chance that he does it because you've got three races that weekend. You've got the Hilly Way, which he likes. He will probably send Shaq and Perswa perhaps to the to the Hilly Way. Um, you've got the um, the Durkin, which he could send one of those two for, but I suspect he'll end up um, running Alaho there. Um, and then whoever doesn't go for the Hilly Way will probably go for the Tingle Creek. Um, but of course, you know, these things change when horses pick up little knocks or have a temperature or whatever. Um, all these plans can change, which is why when you read a Willie Mullins stable tour, there's not a huge amount of information um, going. I, I was particularly keen to find out about Fernie Hollow from Willie's stable tour. And all I think all he said was he's in brilliant form, and when he's ready, I'll find a race for him. <laughs> no idea whether he's going chasing or hurdling uh, from that, or when he's liable to turn up. Whether it's going to be in two weeks' time or, or three months' time, or so it's never even, easy to or read. He's even alive. I mean, <laughs> well, it's, it sounds like he's alive, which is good. So that's that's a that's positive. A start. I suppose um, you have worry, your worry from Willie's point of view. He isn't bothered. You know, he's very much with a lot of the good horses back ends it doesn't he and he's yes. looking towards you know if they only ran once before Cheltenham and went uh, and then it's Punchers Town and after Punchers Town could well be thinking you never know it might send a batch of half a dozen towards high so from that perspective from a 10 to follow perspective trying to second guess Willie Mullins I think Rory's nailed it yeah, yeah absolutely you do. You definitely got to bear that in mind. Uh, if you have an idea of where your horses are going to run, that's a big plus. And again, so I'm slightly off um, at a tangent here. It's worth looking at the entries for those early races. Uh, Jimmy mentioned a passing about Bob Ollinger probably going for the Drinmore and then something. He's not in the Drinmore, and none of the big names are in the Drinmore, um, which is the first big Grade One novice chase um, in Ireland this season. So it's interesting that all the, all the big names are essentially. Looking to start, looking to have you know one easy run first, a run in a beginner's chase, and then step up to, to grade one company at Christmas. So you know that's again bear that in mind. Or if you want to get ahead of the game, look who is actually declared for the Drinmore and think you might be getting a jump on it there. Um, one that I've got as a potential mixer is Cape Gentleman, um, who's in the Drinmore. The the good thing about him in terms of placing is he he won't go to Cheltenham. He won't go to Cheltenham or entry, and you might consider that to be a negative. Um, he can't go left-handed. He was absolutely dreadful at Leopardstown last season. And I think they've decided that he has to go right-handed. So he might welcome up. Emmett Mullins doesn't mind sending his horses to the UK. So he might come over to Kempton at Christmas. He might come over again um, before Cheltenham and, pick, and do a bit of pot hunting before he goes to Punchestown with this horse. And he won't. he's not the kind of trainer who, um, who runs him once or twice a season either. As we saw with the shunter last year, he, he danced pretty much every dance. Um, so Cape Gentleman could be quite busy at the right-handed tracks and pot hunting, and that could see him rack up a few points as well. So um, he's the um, he's the obviously the top-rated one in the Drinmore as it stands. Um, so if you're looking to get a flying start, finding a horse like him, or again look at the um, the Royal Bond on the same card, look who's entered there and see if we might get a flyer. I know Jamie's interested in one on that race. Jamie, 
Uh, which one, Rory? We're, we're, we're jumping around a bit. But uh, uh, Colonel Mustard is in the uh, is in the um, yeah the role. Yeah, so, but, an interesting uh, one there. Yeah, but I think I think he's going to go to the Supreme Trial um, at Cheltenham on Sunday. Oh, I see. Of, um, yeah, oh, yeah. Interesting. Rory, you've, you've outed Jamie there on a horse. He didn't send in his email. When he's keeping <laughs> keep, yeah. keeping close to his. No, no, Jamie. Jamie has a has a, a, a small interest, I believe, in in. Exactly. Ah, okay. I've got a right. tiny. Yeah. I've got, got a tiny leg in him, and uh, yeah, started the season as the highest rated uh, maiden maiden hurdler in training. Um, after coming second to Echoes and Rain last year, don't don't sleep on the Colonel. He's uh, he's one to follow this season. <laughs> One to follow, one to put in your tent to follow. We'll see. Um, but Rory, there, I'm incredibly impressed. You're playing the tent to follow like chess. You're about ten moves uh, ahead of everybody else, which is which is the way to do it. Um, Jamie, before we move on um, to the two, we're going to talk about um, the the one two from last year's Gold Cup as we get towards the end of, of this batch. But I, I notice, and I mean another one that you've got down as as one you're going to leave out. I mean, I think. You know, speaking to friends and, and you know myself and doing these these preview shows and stuff, and Nagamine seems to be probably the the most intriguing and uh, one of the most exciting horses that we're going to see this season purely because of the unknown. You know, there is scope for this to be an absolute superstar based on what we saw last season, and we were starved of that showdown with, with Shishkin at Cheltenham. Um, but one that you're happy to leave off your your tent to follow. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's with deep regret that I, that I do so because, like you say, he's got potential to be an absolute superstar. And it's just mainly because I'm not quite sure what route he's going to go this season. And just as a general principle, people playing the tend to follow tend to o- overlook experienced horses who have been there and done it in favour of the sort of young coming force in whatever division that is. And ultimately, that young horse still needs to step up and it's more just I'd rather have Shaq and Poussois than Anergamine on the pure basis that he's been there, done it. And I mean, is there a better horse over two miles around Leopardstown? You know, like he looks absolutely unbelievable in in that context. So it was more on that basis. And the fact that Anergamine is just going to be picked by so many people um, mm. that if there was a sort of a, opinion that I needed to have a bit differently, it would probably be to take him on. I guess probably the the one horse where you're making a bit of a leap in terms of the company that he'll be racing in this this season. Um, but Andrew, the only the only horse from this small list of the 30 plus percenters that wasn't selected by any of you was Time Hill, um, who again I think we can be um, we can be excited to see what he will get up to in, in the upcoming campaign. Any reason for you for for leaving Time Hill off? Well, I suppose Time Hill he he disappointed didn't he at the weekend? Yeah, um, for a start um, over in over in Artoy. I'm actually assuming um, that maybe that that 30% might drop by the time um, I, you know I, the, the sessions was, are finished. That was, a, that was a completely underwhelming performance uh, yeah. at all time where you'd expect that, especially the way Philip Hobbs' horses have started the season as well in such good form. Um, you just wonder whether he, he had some he had some fair battles that season. Um, and it's left it, it looks like it's left its mark on Paisley Park as well. Because mm. the way he performed at, at Weatherby, again, he obviously had a penalty, but it wasn't ideal starting point from that point of view for, for, for the MLFL yard. I know another yard that has started the season in very good form. So I suppose from the perspective of looking looking at the tender following, you mentioned about the, you know, the tote, it's, it's one pound each way on every horse. These horses could end up bigger prices. You might get a bit back on the, on the for, from the side and getting the points. Of trying to find the big price winner, you know. So, uh, but how often are they going to run? Yeah, they'll probably turn up in the 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 will probably turn up in the long walk, uh, I'd imagine. Um, but from the perspective of an Irish perspective, I think we might see more horses coming over this year and an early part of the season uh, to to take on because it's so competitive back in Ireland. So these races might not be easy pickings. Yeah, too right. So yeah, Time Hill, the one on the list now, but as I say, might not be there um, come after the, the run over in France on the weekend. Uh, we're going to move. Yeah, before we move on to the traps, uh, those are the horses rated between 30 and 10% owned. So just going to look at Aplutard, who fits uh, into this category. Manila Indo uh, is one of the traps, so not quite 30% owned. Presumably that's after that. Uh, opening run uh, a couple of weeks ago, or last weekend, I should say, um, beaten by Frodon and Galvin. And here, all three of you have Aplutard and Manella Indo uh, in your shortlists. Uh, Rory, how do you, you know, is this a case again of just racking up the 
the points, knowing these are going to be two class horses throughout the season rather than looking too far ahead uh, towards the end of the campaign? Um, yeah, and obviously you've, you've got the potential for for um, um, for punches time with um, with Manila Indo, but uh, a Plutard needs to go left-handed. Um, so that's a um, uh, that limits his, limits where he's liable to go, but at least it, it enables you to track where he is going to run. I'm a massive fan of both horses. Um, you know, it's even taken outside of the, the tend to follow um, concept, I had I they were my two Gold Cup horses for last season. I've uh, been banging the drum about uh, a blue tart since he ran at Cheltenham as a novice in a handicap, and uh, that's a race that tends to not work out terribly well in terms of future. Um, uh, graded form, but I've, I've been uh, convinced he's an absolutely top-class chaser, which he's shown in recent seasons. Um, and when you're that good, you deserve to go on the list. It's, it's easy enough to say, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough to... Those Leopardstown three-mile chases are hard to call. You look at the results in recent seasons, um, they're not they're not easy races to uh, to sort out on the day at all. Um, but uh, hopefully a blue tide goes um, to the Betfair chase. He seems to be on target for that. Um, and we don't have um, Candice Obo in there. Uh, so that looks a very, very winnable uh, bonus race to start with. So Plutard is, um, is on course for that, um, according to Henry de Bromhead. That's, that's a big plus in terms of, of whether you put him in. If, when, when you've got races like that where you've got the pre-entries, um, it's, it, you know, it makes it easier to, uh, to make a decision on, on uh, whether your horse is going to pick up points. Um, he will then go back to Leberstein at Christmas, whereas Manella Indo is liable to... There's a fair chance he'd run in the King George um, because they would rather the pair of them don't meet. They will meet if they have to. They, they did last season. Um, but if they can keep them apart, they may do. And the King George might actually be a good spot for Manella Indo. Not at all worried about him getting beat. He's always been stuffy. Um, he was uh, he was beaten um, the first time out as a, a novice and he was, he was below his best. Um... I would say first time out last year. So the fact that he was beaten at Down Royal doesn't really worry me. Um, he looks he looked to be short of his peak in terms of physical condition. I thought he ran a very good race in the circumstances. Um, he got um, he got a little bit chopped off on the on the final bend on the inside uh, and wasn't beaten far in the end. So that, that wouldn't put me off him at all. I think he should. I'm surprised he's under thirty percent to be honest. Um, and there are plenty of bonus races again as. As has been pointed out early on, the majority of the points in this competition are for three mile chasers uh, and, and for you know, grade one three mile chasers as well. So um, when you're proven top class in that area, um, you've got to find a very good reason to throw a horse out. And I see no reason to throw either Manila Indo or a Plutar dad. Yeah, Manila Indo is still the six to one favourite to retain his crown in, in the Gold Cup. Uh, Cheltenham Aplutard second favourite at eight to one. Um, Andrew, are you surprised as well to see that Manelendo has kind of proven unpopular in the last uh, week or so after that run of down roll? I think I think that's just the fake, the case of you know a horse gets beat, right? Yeah. Off. <laughs> mm. But you know he's he did win first time out last year, but it, again it, you started at, it was at a different level. You know, yeah. it, it's with these novices you've suddenly got to start from starting there. You start up here. And that's I think that's when you you find out with 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 good horses. But like it was it was a it was a it was a workmanlike performance um, at Down Royal, and there was nothing to dislike about it. The fact is, you got to remember, Frodon was tuned. That mm. was as I would say, that was his Gold Cup on the first run of the season. And Paul Nichols it made no bones about it. Racecourse gallops. Uh, he'd been away. He'd had racecourse galloping. He'd been at Lambourne. He was ready, and he saw Brian. She rode him like he was absolutely on mm. the top. And he's got, um, you know, from that run, got plenty of time to the King George. Um, you know, Galvin had already had a run under his belt, which I think that puts the race into context, really. Yeah. Uh, it was just, um, yeah, good to see him back in, and it ain't good Nick without winning, but I definitely wouldn't lead him out out the list. And as far as a Plutard's concerned, well. You know, you won't see a, a quicker jumper of a, a fence going left-handed. He is he is slick, quick, accurate, um, and you know, he probably probably maximum of four runs. Well, probably maximum of three runs before the Gold Cup. But I'm sure, you know, we'll see them lining up there again, and you could see a different result. Um, hmm. You know, 
whether one of one of those will, will get their head in front of Cheltenham, uh, who knows? But there's a lot of water to pass under the bridge between now and then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to move on now to the to the traps, the, those between thirty percent and ten percent owned. Uh, there's a fair few here, so I'm not going to read them all out. But uh, Andrew, we'll stick with you because you mentioned one of them, and you've got him in your team, and that is Frodon. Uh, Frodon in, in your side, and I'm almost kind of surprised to hear you say that that was Frodon's Gold Cup. If if you're going to keep the faith in him, in, in your tent to follow over the course of the season, of course, last year's 20 to one winner. Um, of the King George, eleven to two to re- repeat the trick this time, um, and certainly a horse who you know it, it looks like the Gold Cup trip at Cheltenham is it, it doesn't suit, um, but certainly a horse that goes well at Cheltenham, and you know in terms of form and quality, no reason why he can't continue the good form from uh, from two weekends ago. Yeah, I, was, I say it's his Gold Cup because he won't be running in the Gold Cup. <laughs> that's why. That's why he's a what I call he's a three miles is his trip. He's what I would call, if you want to go back in the day, and, you know, you, you, you could argue, he's a wayward lad. He, he, he'll get, but he won't get up the hill over, mm. over, the, over the three miles. Uh, he's sort of versatile, right-handed, left-handed. Hey, Paul Nichols was saying the other day, he is one of the cleanest winded horses that he's, that he's ever come across. And one of the toughest horses he's ever come across. Because, you know, you see him going... He wants. To, he has to be popped out, and I think they've worked out in the in the in the Gold Cup itself that you know Brian Eastie tried to tried to save a little bit. His forte is out the gate and putting everything to the sword, and that's where what he's best at. So he's going to line up at uh, at Kempton. Everybody knows how he's going to be ridden, but he, he's still what I call a genuine two and a half miler. He's got the speed in the first half of the race to be able to to get to the front and make the running and keep pressing on the gas. He'll then head over to uh, Leopardstown. Paul's already said that he's going to head across there and take take the others on. We saw the race last year. It comes a little bit close to Cheltenham for, for quite a few trainers that do have the top horses in there. Uh, and you're only going to probably get five or six runners. And he, he'll be suited by it. There's no question. So I'm thinking that, you know, he's going to get points. There's more points in the offing for him. Uh, whether he lines up at Cheltenham as you mentioned, there's a, he'd got to go two and a half at Cheltenham. And I would think that'll be governed by what happens what happens at uh, the Dublin Racing Festival. But he's one that I've, I've put in because I still think there's a good 50 points in him and hopefully, hopefully more. Yeah, another one in this uh, bracket of horses, Jamie, that you've put in. Another one who, who doesn't seem to be able to, to do it over the Gold Cup trip at Cheltenham but comes alive at Kempton is Clander Zobo. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, my, my main thinking for, for including Clan, and and I think he is he is massively underrepresented currently. He's only in the 20% of the list. Is that, I mean, for one, he's the favourite for the King George. Two, I think Paul Nichols has finally sort of figured him out. Um, you know, he's always had incredible ability and they thought he was a bridal horse and then they weren't quite sure about his wind and all this kind of stuff. And you know, I think he's just figuring them out now. And you look at his performance at Aintree at last last season, it was incredible. Uh, and then obviously going to, oh, sorry, Punchtown. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he won't go to Cheltenham, obviously, as, as Paul Nichols has been very upfront about, but you can see a world in which he goes uh, to the King George. We'll go very close in that, uh, even if he gets pipped by uh, Manella Rindo or, or the like that might go there. Uh, he then will go to definitely go to Aintree for the bet for the Betway Bowl, which is also a bonus race. And for that, you know, I, I can't see many beating him there. Uh, for one, he won't face much opposition, and secondly, he might be the best horse around that track and trip anyway. So, for me, he, he's uh, he's a very very good horse to have on your list. Yeah. Um, so the for Clander's over there for the one for Jamie Frodon, the one for Andrew. Uh, those eagle-eared out there listening might be wondering why Alaho wasn't spoken about in terms of the those essential picks over 30% owned. And the reason is because I think we should talk about Alaho and Envoy Allen kind of in the same breath here, because that is, you know, we spoke about trying to predict what's going to happen with Shaq and Pussoir and Yogamin, both uh, trained by Willie Mullins. But here we've got Chiefly Park having two horses who look best set, maybe over two and a half miles, 
Willie's spoken about wanting to try Alaho back over two miles again. Henry de Brom had spoken about sending Envoy Allen over three miles at some at some stage. And Rory, I'm, I'm coming to you here, trying to piece this together because you've got Alaho as one of your one of your locks, and Envoy Allen as as one of your poss- possibles going into the uh, going into the season. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not absolutely sold on either one, but Alaho. All you've got to do if you're wondering whether to put Alaho on your list is go back and watch the the um, the Ryanair again. Um, arguably as impressive a performance as there's ever been at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, not necessarily. I'm not putting him on a par with Arkle in terms of of what he achieved, but it just in terms of beating a top class field and 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 having a top class field beaten virtually at halfway. You'll rarely visually see so like impressive, it. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so he's one of those. He, he falls between two stools, and there's only one bonus race um, pre-entry um, uh, for a horse of his trip. So there's a slight, slight question mark there. But of course, you've got the Durkin Chase coming up, which will, which will um, uh, fit into his uh, schedule, um, and he'd be a, he'd be favourite for that, and a pretty warm one as well. Uh, and then you've got the Ryanair again, uh, which just seems to suit him absolutely ideally. There's also the possibility that he'll go for the King George. You know, Willie said he'd like to try him at two miles again. He's also said he'd like to try him at three miles again. So he knows he's not a gold cup horse, um, but a flat three miles at Kempton would potentially be considered, as it would be, I'm sure, for Envoy Alain. One of those two is liable, uh, all being well, um, to line up at... Um, at Kempton at Christmas. Now, Envoy Alain, um, I'm just not convinced about him at the moment, even though he won well on his comeback. His jumping last season pre-Cheltenham was very, everyone talked about his jumping and said, you know, he may not be beating an awful lot, but look how clever he is at his fences. He's, he's an absolute natural. I thought his jumping at Down Royal was not brilliant. It wasn't bad, but He's, he might still be remembering that um, that spill at Cheltenham, which was a massive shock at the time. Um, you know, he'd never, he hadn't touched a twig before that, and then to take a, a, a purder like he did at the Cheltenham Festival um, just seemed to knock him. He disappointed next time. Obviously, he's come back. I mean, the bottom line was that race he won at, uh, at Down Royal. It was a grade two, but he beat a 200 to one shot into second. There wasn't an awful lot of opposition. He did get um, he did get pressed for the lead. Um, for the you know for the first mile and a half or so of the race, so he didn't have it all his own way. But while he was eventually impressive, I don't think he t- took a step forward in what he did as a novice last season. And I think his um, uh, his unbeatability, which we you know was being talked about this time last season, you know he's never going to lose a race. People were saying he's just going to win every Gold Cup um, <laughs> after, he, after he slaughters them all this year, and it's, it's hard to imagine a horse ever touching him. He doesn't have he doesn't have that that that, that aura anymore. Um, he could well bounce back, and Henry de Bromhead, you know, is a very good person to um, to bring that confidence back. But I'm not convinced about him at the moment. So he's he might not go in any of my lists, and he might go in as a mixer with the um, with the perms, depending on how many I end up left with. So I'm just I just have a little bit of a, a, a well, quite a big doubt in my mind about whether he's going to be. Um, as good as as um, as he looked for a long time, and my view on him was that he was streets ahead of his opposition as a as a novice hurdler. He was almost the finished article. Uh, if you watch the um, the the parade ring at Cheltenham um, before he won the Ballymore, it was just it was a massive mismatch. You know, you'd have called the race over before they before they lined up. Um, whereas he no longer looks in a class of his own when you see him walking around the paddock. Um, uh, ahead of um, you know top class races, or he won't do uh, this season. He still looks good, but he's he's no longer a man against boys, and I think that's a difficult scenario um, to be in. Mm. I mean, Andrew, it's obviously not all about the Cheltenham Festival, um, <clears throat> especially in this game, and, and you have both of these horses in your side. But if you were looking ahead to March, where where would you wager they'd both be lining up? Well, let's just say YLN. He just, uh, mm. um, he, you know, he's a, he, this horse a bit like look, Rory, you know, he just had, he, he gets the odd knock, but he keeps coming back. <laughs> 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 I just, look, he, I, 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 I always look back to the likes of, you know, Isterbrack was a very good horse. He, he had, I think he had three falls during his career, but sometimes these horses, you know, the good ones will come back. 
and this is, I suppose, this is where you, you question: Is he going to? Is he going to come back right to the top level? Um, I, I think he will. That's why he's in my list. I think he, I think he'll come back to the top level. Um, obviously, changing stables last year was not the ideal scenario because you know you mm. different training methods. Um, things do change, and bearing in mind, um, you know. Different people as well. Horses are, horses get associated with the people looking after them. And you've got to bear that in mind. You know, a lot of these top-class horses get ridden by the same people. They gain a, an association with them. They gain an, an affinity with them. Uh, and I very much say horses are so much like humans. You know, any little thing which is different out of their, they, their, their routine can knock them. And you just, you know, I think N.Y. Allen is probably still... Settling into a different routine. Yeah, interesting to see what's going to happen with Envoy Allen over the coming weeks and months. Uh, looking at some of the other ones, we've called these the traps because um, some of them I think might be a bit trappy when you look at the bonus races and other things. And it's interesting to see that none of you have picked either Kilcrew or Cigarhard favourites uh, for the two first two novice hurdles uh, over two miles and two and a half miles at the festival at the moment. Both so impressive is a one-two in the champion bumper last year. And Jamie, presumably this is because you guys know the game and you know that you know, even if they do end up having great seasons, they might not rack up the same kind of points at those running a bonus race as well. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And um, you think the most likely to to rack up points would probably be Kilcrep because he looks likely to, to, according to Willie, go down the same route as Appreciated last season. And if he continues to progress, uh, as Appreciated did um, to his novice hurdle career, uh, uh, sorry, Appreciated racked up 95 points, I think, last season. But ultimately, that is the absolute ceiling of, of what you can achieve with having one of these in your list. And all it would take is for, I don't know, something to come out of the woodwork and, and improve past them, or maybe or they pick up a knock, or they just get going a bit later in the season. Um, and you miss one of the first grade grade ones, and, and you know, next, next thing you know, you're, you're having to win the Supreme to, to get into some sort of point-scoring position with them. So it's, it's more just because of the way that the 10 follow is structured with bonus races, being being more favor in favor of the older horses um that, that i've left them both out another one that you've left out as well or you've aggressively left out it's on your list of negatives this this i think i'm going to sell this list for millions uh flooring porter jb another one who who's in this category but but someone you're looking to take on yeah i mean i mean again that, that looks a bit a bit better after he um after he disappointed yeah. at the weekend but um that's a t- uh, I mean, of the three-mile hurdlers, I, I, I'm keen not to write him off as a, as a sort of fluke from last year. Like, I think he won everything on merit, and he is entitled to be the, the sort of preeminent horse in the, in the three-mile hurdle division. It's just that I don't want a three-mile hurdler in, in, the, in my list. It's quite a competitive division, as Andrew spoke about earlier, um, and there just aren't any bonus races other than the Sayers hurdle. Um, and if you do like a horse here, you're kind of almost better off letting, letting them sort themselves out between now and Cheltenham. And then in the subs window, just before Cheltenham, bring one of them in. Um, and especially one if, if you think they might go to Cheltenham and then also to entry for the Liverpool hurdle. Um, that would be the way I'd see this division. Yeah, the other horses in uh, this list of, of horses between 30 and 10% owned, we've got, um, we're not going to have time to talk about My Drogo, Chantry House, Brave Man's Game, uh, Gallopin' Deschamps, Galvin, uh, Fernie Hollow in there as well. So those are the horses. We're calling them the traps. A couple in there, though, that the guys want to get with, a couple that maybe it's worth swerving. I think the best example of of kind of strategy in the game, certainly the Kilcrute, Sagarhard one, where those selecting and maybe not quite realising that there are, even if they do have fantastic seasons, there might be ones better value out there. Uh, but now we get to the interesting part, the bit where you guys get to really flex your muscles and show us um, what you know, because these are the differentials, the under 10% horses. And I'm, I'm not going to read them out because there are about 500 of them. So, um, <laughs> yeah, if, if uh, Shishkin's Mo Salah, then we're looking for the Tino Liveramento here, who everyone seems to now have from Southampton as their, as their left back after a few clean sheets. Who are the ones that are going to provide the best, va- the best value, those who can rack up the points whilst also you'll be one of the few who have them uh, on side and, and Rory I'll come to you first for, for trying to sniff out some value here uh, listen there are, there are plenty in there who you look at and, and are surprised um, that, that they're not in many lists 
Um, I'm not, I'll, I'll give one that I haven't put in my list, but I'm surprised that Put the Kettle On has mm. got less than 9% there. Um, she's probably heading to um, to Cheltenham next weekend for the Schlur Chase, which she won last year. Um, she's unbeaten at the track, and you know they might try to avoid um, uh, the big uh, Irish guns, the Nergumens and 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 Jacques and Persoise through the season. But even if not, you know she's got she's got a um, she's got races she can run in before Cheltenham, and she's you know she's won at the festival for the last two years. So it's for Heard of only eight odd percent um, uh, picks is an interesting one. Um, of mine, I've mentioned Cape Gentleman um, before, mm. um, who's who's got uh, would be in very few lists. Um, Soaring Glory, I think, falls into this category as well. Um, I don't. He's in the Great Wood at Cheltenham next weekend, but I don't think he runs in that. I think he will run at Newbury instead in the Jerry Fielden um, over the same course and distance as the Betfair Hurdle, which he won last season. I was really impressed with him physically when I saw him at Ascot on his return. Um, he wasn't quite the finished article last year. He disappointed once or twice early in the season. Then he came back and won that bet for a hurdle um, before they ran him in cheek pieces at Cheltenham, which, which backfired quite badly. He's, um, he's a horse who seems to have developed a lot um, over the summer. Um, the ground would have been softer than ideal for him at Ascot. He, he was a wee bit disappointing in the kennel gate over the same course and distance last season, but he coped with it better this year than he would have last. Um, he'll probably get good ground at Newbury. Um, uh, I know that's looking ahead a little bit, but um, the long-range weather forecast doesn't look too bad. Um, and I think if he wins the Jerry Fielden, um, that throws him into the champion hurdle picture. I think he'd, he'd probably go maybe for the international hurdle the following month, and he'd be getting weight from someone that, um, by definition. So I think he's the kind of he's a bit of a dark horse for the champion hurdle. I'm not sure I would throw him in the champion as a as a massive contender. But if you win a couple of champion hurdle trials, um, there are plenty of points on offer there. Um, and I think he'll do well this season. Um, he'll do even better over fences when they try him. Um, so he's he's very much one to, to bear in mind. Uh, of the ones I, I I don't want to be with, um, Champ, I'm right off him after what he did in the Gold Cup last year. I think it's going to be difficult for him to come back. He comes from a really good family, obviously, the family of best mate, but there's a lot of temperament in that family as well. And he's beginning to show more of the temperament and the and the sort of uh, the negative nature of uh, of his character um, than the pure talent. Um, and while Album Photo is a dual Gold Cup winner, and he's you know he might be more active this season than he has been previously, as Willie Mullins says, he's just getting a little bit long in the tooth for that now. And it's difficult to see a horse um, regaining a Gold Cup. So I, I struggle to to have him. Um, the other one that I that I have in my list that I'll throw in there is a Clap de Rear, mm. um, who will be one of the high weights for the um, the Labrooks Trophy at Newbury. Um, he looks to have a decent chance. He was travelling really well at Cheltenham last season when coming down in the RSA, in the excuse me, in the Brown Advisory, <laughs> uh, and he looks like he could develop potentially into a Gold Cup horse. But there are bonus points for the for the Labrooks Trophy. He looks to be, uh, I, I think he's got a favourites chance on that. Um, and obviously, if he is capable of winning it, then he's got those big races at Leopard's time to come. Uh, he will stay further than than a bare three miles as well. So they could look at they could look at the national forum further down the line if they're not going to go the Gold Cup. So there are plenty of races that he could pick up, um, depending on what um, how he gets on at Newbury in the first place. Yeah, currently seven to one joint favourite for the Labricks Trophy with on the ropes uh, a Clat Durier. Um, there for Rory uh, and Andrew you've got a couple of interesting ones a couple of horses mm. that have already turned out um, this season already uh, ask me early one of them and then what I say to you every time you, you pick up the Skype call uh, Ahoy Senor yeah I've got I'll start on Ahoy Senor he obviously he beat Braveman's game last year uh, in entry I don't think that was any fluke whatsoever um, the fact that he went through the worst the way he did it didn't quite pan out for him on debut it was his first run back. He's needed his first runs back previously. He sprawled on landing, got rid of his jockey, uh, which was two out. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd see him. I'd see him mopping up a few easy pickings up north, and then hopefully going. I, I would imagine he could well uh, head back to entry. That would that if I was working back, that would be my plan for him. I'd work back from that, thinking you know, get three or four runs easy pickings and then hopefully find the grade a grade one at entry for him and the asked me early uh, well, he, he won his novice hurdle 
Yeah, one of a hurdle before at Exeter the other day. He'll be heading for the uh, a Grand National trial at Chepstow. And the same route a secret reprieve did last year. If you happen to go and win that, which, you know, he's, he's off a decent mark of, I think it's 1-4-4. You only get a £4 penalty for the Welsh National off the back of that. And then you might be looking at a Vodka Red Square Gold Cup up at a Haydock at the back of that. You know, he could well pick up some some decent points along the way. He's a handicapper, but you're looking for something that sits outside the box. Of others that haven't been mentioned, but there'll be, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people looking at Bristol Demai for the Betfair Gold Cup, having <laughs> loving Haydock, hoping it's going to rain before the uh, end of the season. And then hopefully Nigel Twiston Davis will not go to Kempton. Do not go to Kempton off the back of that. Pick somewhere else that will suit him down to the ground. Uh, and don't forget Cloth Cap. You know, he ran at Aintree last year. It wasn't quite his gig, but he won the Ladbrokes Trophy in no uncertain fashion last year. He's another one that uh, he might fit in a few people's lists. And, you know, I'd always forgive a horse that hasn't hasn't performed um, at the back end of the season in, in an Aintree Grand National. But I'm sure he'll come back. Yeah, and... Jamie, um, you know, we heard there uh, Rory earlier talking about Soaring Glory, another horse that you're keen on. On the ropes, who we just mentioned as well, uh, joint favourite with a cloud rear in the Labricks Trophy on your list too. Yeah, absolutely. I think On the Ropes is a particularly interesting horse because uh, after his Munster National win um, off a mark in the 140s, he's up to sort of 153, I think now, and um, and plans to go to the Hennessy. But what I think is particularly interesting with him, other than the fact he's taking the same route that Total Recall took, for Willie is that he's still a novice. Uh, he's a sort of third season novice chaser, I think now. And uh, the result of that means that after after the Hennessy, even if he doesn't necessarily win that, uh, sorry, the Labricks Trophy, I should say, uh, even if he doesn't necessarily win that, um, he, he, could, he he has all options open to him and, and could yet sort of drop back to be to be Willie Munns' sort of, uh, RSA festival, festival brown advisory novices chase horse, um, whatever, whatever the race is called. But, um, because that also looks a reasonably weak division. I think the two mile and two mile four novice chasers in Ireland are incredibly competitive. But I think once you get up to three miles, it's basically just galloping Deschamps. Vanillier has been disappointing. And so I think on the ropes, it's sort of a bit of a wild card that could go and pick up some points in lots of different places. Um, and then the only other one uh, that hasn't been mentioned that, that I think is interesting is LMA. Um, mm who will be campaigned for the mayor's chase where she was narrowly touched off by Cole Reavy form, which looks ex- excellent now after her, her win later in the season as well. So I think she could win a lot of may- uh, mayor's chases at, at quite short odds um, and similar logic for, for sort of if Concertista is, is a horse you like as well. Um, she could win a lot of mayor's, mayor's novice chases before then going to the mayor's chase as well. Yeah, crucially, Cole Reavy now retired as well, so opens it up, that that uh, whole division. Uh, before we let you guys go, just going to... Well, I'll mention a couple of other horses in that uh, list that we haven't spoken about yet. Classical Dream, who I think is now um, favourite for the stayers after the run of Time Hill uh, last week. Just checking that. Yeah, Classical Dream now 5-1 to one favourite for the stayers. Uh, John Bon, uh, a big talking horse there too, but may fall into the same trap as, as those we've spoken about earlier. Uh, All Mankind, Epitant, Sham Blue, third time lucky, so impressive on his seasonal reappearance. Uh, Royal Pagai, Abracadabras, Concertista, mentioned there by Jamie. Uh, Molly Ollie's Wishes, another one who impressed early on uh, this season as well. So plenty. I mean, lo- there are loads of kind of top class horses there to work out where they're going to be getting their points. And that brings us on to the last part of this uh, chat where I'm going to rattle off very quickly those bonus races and come to each of you to, to find one of those maybe that, that those people out there can target uh, you know look at one of these in depth now try and work out who's going to be going there which maybe try and find one with a smaller field where you can be confident of picking up some bonus points as well these are the races where double points can be made from from winning horses you've got the in chronological order hopefully uh bet, the betfair chase the labricks trophy the tingle creek King George, the Welsh National, the Savills Chase at Leopardstown with the Irish Champion Hurdle and the Irish Gold Cup, the Betfair Hurdle, and then we're into Cheltenham, the Arkle, the Champion Hurdle, the Queen Mother Champion Chase, the Festival Chase, formerly the RSA, uh, the Stayers, the Ryanair, the Gold Cup, and then finally at Aintree, the Betway Bowl, the Aintree Hurdle, the Melling Chase, the Liverpool Stayers Hurdle, and the Grand National. Those are your bonus races. Uh, and Rory, coming to you first, any of those that you think at this stage you should really try and target? 
um, two two opposite angles here. Um, you've got entries out for for the King George and for the um, the Betfair Chase. So look at the entries for those. Work out how you price that race up. Bear in mind you're getting points for, for a, uh, a mythical uh, pound each way in that as well. So you're you're you know if you back the second at um, at twenty five to one um, in that you're still getting a, a reasonable return. Um, you might get twenty might get twenty points for finishing second, um, whereas you're only getting that for winning a grade two. So bear that in mind. You've got horses to look at there. Whereas most of these other races, you're you have to imagine who's liable to turn up in the end. And then look at the end of the season. Look at the entry races. These grade ones take less winning um, because you're you're slightly less likely to get Irish runners at entry, um, given the focus on punches time these days. Um, so yards like uh, Paul Nichols, particularly, and Dan Skelton will deliberately aim some of the best horses at entry, um, where they think they might not be um, they might be not be 100% competitive at, at uh, Cheltenham. So uh, look at those races, and it comes at the end of the season, and you tend to think. I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But you've got to have your decisions made before the competition starts. Mm. So it doesn't hurt to look at entry and think, you know, you may not be absolutely mad on um, uh, on um, Candazobo, for example, as a Gold Cup contender. But as as uh, Jimmy said, he's not going to be going for the Gold Cup. He will, however, be going fresh for the King George. He'll then be having a run, probably the Denman Chase or something like that, and then go to entry. So he will be cherry picking his races to give himself the best chance. And that might make you more inclined to stick him in your list. Um, so I'm not going to tell you which horses to go for at entry. Um, but <laughs> those stables particularly look at their best horses um, and consider putting them in. Yeah, Andrew, any tactics for you with these bonus races? Yeah, I think it's fascinating to listen to about, you know, Paul Nichols and Dan Skelton not targeting at Cheltenham. Isn't it? Mm. But think, is it all about you know? Is it all about Cheltenham? Well, the the focus is well, it's not because our horses aren't good enough at the moment because it is yeah. so competitive. Um, but we're t- with the ten to follow list. Yeah, Rory's bang on there, and you know my, my horse. As I say, Harry Fry specifically said that is where Ask Me Early's going. I know where I know where he's going. So I, if you if you hear trainers out there pinpointing targets for horses. That is the main target for those specific kind of horses. So uh, I'd, I'd be I'd be picking up my uh, you know trainers stables to follow and and hunting through those uh, meticulously to find out which which races your certain trainers are targeting. Yeah, and the man who should know all the strategies when it comes to these races, Jamie. No pressure. Uh, how are you approaching the here? Uh, which ones maybe can represent some extra value? Uh, yeah, I mean, from a ten to follow point of view, I, I think we've said that we've just we've discussed it, but it's all about the three mile chases. And I think we talked about Shishkin and Honeysuckle being bankers, but I think Aplutar and Minella Indo are also bankers. Um, I think those four horses will will be in every single list that I do. Um, Minella Indo and Aplutar also complement each other quite well as a result of being both Henry de Bromhead horses. So. With slightly differing profiles, slightly different differing pre- uh, preferences, so you can see a world in which they're kept apart until the until the Gold Cup. But they will all be they will be running almost exclusively in bonus races up to then. So um, they're they're two that that literally s- scream out um, as as bankers. Um, and then also the other thing I'd say is less from a ten to follow point of view, more from just a, a sort of big prize punting, and maybe a ten to follow point of view if you want to perm it up. Rory that spoke earlier about the unpredictability. Of, to a certain extent of the of the Leopardstown three mile chasers. And there are two that are bonus races in the saddles in the Irish Gold Cup. And it's the sort of thing that, you know, Mellon ran a huge race and to be second one last year. Kenboy always does well there. So it, it, if I mean both of those are hugely unsexy horses in the in the context of tend to follow. <laughs> you know, they they both seem like busted flushes. And uh, but don't don't sleep on their chances there. You know, Willie is an expert at getting them sweet again. And you could see someone like I'm particularly fond of Mellon, um, and I could see him running a massive race. Uh, and it, you know, ultimately, as Rory said, also if he's second in one of those at the 33 to one, you know, you're 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 picking up close to 25 points for that alone. So that that they would be my they would be my sort of outsiders um, to consider for that. 
So we've heard your strategies. You've been kind enough to tell us which horses you guys are keen on. Now time to see your teams. Obviously, a couple of days to go before entering, so won't judge you if these change. But uh, Rory, coming to you first, what's your lineup for your ten to follow? Uh, in in roughly alphabetical order, it's not going to be alphabetical <laughs> order, is it? Uh, Alaho, a Plutard, appreciate it. Bob Ollinger, Shaq uh, and Pursois, Honeysuckle, Manila Indo, uh, Shishkin, and then a, a couple of dark ones at the end, Soaring Glory and Cape Gentleman. Great stuff. That's the dark ones to throw a few points in there. There's Rory's tote, 10 to follow team. Andrew, what's yours? Mine, uh... I'm going to go in no particular order. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Shishkin, N. Allen, Frodon, Honeysuckle, Ahoy Senor, a Plutard, Bob Ollinger, Appreciate It, Ask Me Early, and Don't Forget Manella Indo. And finally, Totes very own, the inside scoop, Jamie Benson, what's your team? Um, well, I'm going to start by saying I've made a I've made a change as live, uh, wow. based, based on based on what Rory's said. So <laughs> I'll, I'll open I'll open with the change as live, which is it was going to be NYLN, but I'm going to change that to Alaho. So Alaho, Aplutar, Clandesovo, uh, Shishkin, Chacomposoir, Honeysuckle, Elame, on the ropes, and Soaring Glory. Pray for Jamie when Alaho's sent over two miles next time and then over three miles for the Gold Cup in March and really just can't, just cannot face running Alaho over, over two and a half miles. Uh, thank you very much to you guys for sharing your thoughts. Uh, great stuff. And it's made me incredibly excited to go and basically delete my whole side and start again, as I'm sure many people listening will do as well. Uh, make sure you do play the tote 10 to follow uh, game. Jamie, when's the deadline for entries? The deadline is 11 o'clock, Saturday the 13th of November. So 11, 11 o'clock in the morning of the Paddy Power November meeting, um, the Saturday of that. There you go. So plenty of time to get your team in, plenty of time to, to comb through the form. Uh, make sure you do that. Make sure you also download the Odds Checker app. All the prices I've been mentioning today in terms of the anti-post prices are the best available. You'll also find the best bookie offers, free bets, plenty of tipsters there as well. So do download the app. Uh, ensure you subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel as well for plenty more preview content throughout the season, throughout the year. And also you can subscribe to this as a podcast on any podcast platform as well so fingers crossed plenty there for you guys to get your teeth into do enter your tote 10 to follow team as soon as possible and as always please do gamble responsibly 